now. Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello, good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Scotland's Talking. Thank you very much indeed to Rob Waller who looked after the programme last week. On the programme today, I'd like to know what you think of a radical plan to stop the cycle of children of drug addicts being put into care. Women in Dundee could be offered extra support if they agree to go on long-term contraception. But not everyone thinks it's a good idea. I could never imagine having to be put onto contraception so I could get help. I just think it will emotionally disturb girls. Also between now and midday, the suicide rate in Scotland is increasing again, with around two people taking their own lives every day. It's so tragic. How, how are we going to stop it? It needs to be stopped. More help needs to be provided. We'll hear from Jacqueline, whose teenage son Liam was one of them. And London's had Ken Livingston, Boris Johnson and Sadiq Khan. So should Scotland's capital also have an elected mayor? Edinburgh is an ambitious global city. And when you look at other ambitious global cities like London, like New York, they have elected mayors. I'll be talking to Labour MSP Daniel Johnson about his idea and asking if you agree with him. It's Scotland's talking, it's all about opinions, and you can give us yours on 033-2020-401. Scotland's talking, the podcast. Scotland's talking on a Sunday morning. Now, there could be a new deal for women in Scotland who are struggling with drug addiction or mental health issues. Mums who've repeatedly had kids placed into care will get extra support if they agree to take long-term contraception. It's called the PAUSE scheme and originated down south, with Dundee set to be the first place up here to trial it. Our reporter, Callum Clark, has been finding out more about it and he joins us now. So what's it all about then? Well, its aim is to break the cycle of women having kids who then end up in the care system. It provides intensive counselling over a number of months if women take a pause from pregnancy. Now, this could be in the form of a contraceptive implant or injection. Jane Martin's the chief social worker at Dundee City Council and she explains why they're looking at bringing it in. It works with women who have had two or more children removed from their care. Generally, these are very vulnerable women with complex needs, mental health, victims of domestic abuse, substance misuse. Um, So there was an opportunity for us to look at the situation within Dundee And I suppose when you spoke to to staff, they kind of felt this was an issue in Dundee, that we had quite a a small number of women who were becoming pregnant repeatedly and were uh, having children removed from their care. So there was an opportunity for us to undertake a a very detailed piece of research uh, with PAUSE. And we did that and we looked at um, a time frame from 2012 to 2017 and what we found there that was, I think the figures were 113 women had 340-odd children removed from their care. So most women had had two or three children um, removed. Some women had obviously significantly more children removed. Mm, now, I believe, Callum, this has gathered a bit of a divided opinion. What are the biggest concerns of the critics? Yep. Well, the the main issue is the idea of placing conditions on receiving support. So should a woman have to pause her reproductive rights in order to get help? Now, those for it stress that this is a voluntary scheme and that no one is forced into it. And they also point out that these measures are reversible. So although long term, it doesn't prevent a woman from having a child in the future. 
And you've been speaking to some former addicts who've had children taken from them. What do they have to say about this? Well, some of them have big concerns over the idea. One woman who had two kids taken from her, she says she wouldn't have been in the right frame of mind to make an informed decision at the height of her drug addiction. And others like former addict and support worker Sharon Brand worry about the dangers that contraception can have on those in recovery. When I had the rod in, I felt lethargic. I didn't have any energy. A lot of that could do with methadone, but I think the two combined were kind of catastrophic for me. I couldn't function normally for a long, long time. And even after I came off methadone, it impacted me quite dramatically. It's only in the last month or so that I've started to feel um, like I've got energy to do things. Um, My mental health is starting to balance out. I'm thinking more rationally. I'm not losing my temper. I'm not getting angry and I'm not getting emotional and upset. And things are going back to normal. But I think that... I don't think there's enough information on how contraception is affected by methadone and the impact that can have on a woman over time. I think that, yes, it's a choice. You're given a choice whether you want to take this or... But is it really a choice when you're addicted to heroin and you go somewhere to get support? At that point, you're desperate, you're chaotic, you're at risk of dying, your, your life is in ruins at that. So there is no choice. So when is it actually going to come into to play in Dundee then? Has it got a start date? Well, that remains unclear. Council bosses last month said it was to be introduced in June. However, we're of course at the end of the month now and no announcement has been made. There was a cross-party discussion in Parliament this week involving MSPs, medical experts and women's groups and it heard that the project is incompatible with the principles of universal healthcare. So whether this has... So whether this affects when or if the project will be rolled out in Dundee, that that remains to be seen. Mm, It does. So what are your thoughts on it sitting at home this Sunday morning then? What do you think? Uh, I read it had been described as population control. Do you agree or do you agree it's it's an excellent way to go? Uh, So we've started the conversation off today talking about PAWS and the scheme supporting mothers with personal issues on the condition that they can take contraception Uh, has been um, criticised by some, some saying that it's freedom of choice taken away. How can it be freedom of choice taken away if they're being given a choice? Uh, It is voluntary. Um, I'll get to some of them. I've already got a couple of um, uh, texts come in here. Uh, Just a reminder, the phone lines are there. We'd love to hear your comments. 033-2020-401. You can also contact us on text. There's a couple of half, and the text number is 61054. Start your message with Ali and email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. And the other way, of course, if you're on Twitter, is hashtag Scotland's Talking. Love to hear your comments. We'll also be talking about a few other subjects, including what you think can be done to bring down Scotland's horrifying suicide figures. And also, should Edinburgh have its own mayor? And if Edinburgh has its own mayor, should Aberdeen? And should Inverness? And should Glasgow? Uh, David sends this text in regarding the ladies having a choice. He says, Ali, did I get these and did I hear these figures correctly? In Tayside alone, or was it Dundee? I'm not quite sure, actually. I need to go and have a listen to that again, whether it was just the city or whether it was uh, the region, David. But thanks for that. He says, um, 113 women with 340 children taken into care. Surely something has to be done. And this is just a step forward. In fact, 
Maybe on some of these ladies it shouldn't be a choice. Really? Surely everybody should always have a choice. Uh, David, thank you very much indeed. The text number again is 61054. Start your message with Ali if you agree or disagree with David's that uh, the numbers are too high and that um, some some of these ladies should not have a choice, should be, be told this is what's happening. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. We're talking at the moment uh, about and um, asking for your comments, a few of them coming in regarding the plan to stop the cycle of children of drug addicts being put into care. Women in Dundee are going to be the first in Scotland to be offered extra support if they agree to go on long-term contraception. And uh, let me just read one that comes in from Sylvia. Sylvia says, what about the babies born already addicted and have to go through withdrawal? Do they have a choice? Well, I'm just wondering, you know, is, is is that related? Probably is, yes. But do they have a choice? Thank you very much indeed, Sylvia. Uh, another question into that then. And uh, here's one that comes from Irene. Irene says, I read in the evening newspaper that the scheme will cost £300,000 per year to, to run. Surely they could think of better things for £300,000 to be spent on. There must be a bigger need. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, let's go to Joseph. Joseph, good morning. Good, good morning, Ali. Well, I think the money they waste, Ali, year in, year out, to try and stop this addiction is tremendous. These small clinics, maybe two or three beds in them, Ali, and there are people looking after them. It should be a, a hospital specialising in dealing that away from the mainline hospitals where people are in for operations and things like that. The, the, the nurses are doing one job in the mainline hospital, they're going to attend to addicts, and they're not qualified to do that, Ali. It's for specialists. Of course they are, of course they are. I, I, I'm talking about specialists on the top to deal with a, in a, in a hospital away from the mainline hospital so they can get it done properly, Ali. You know what I mean? They're going to spend a lot of time between patients and drug addicts. So if they do it the proper way, Ali, they spend millions, 45 million last year, Ali. Why are we so high for a small country? We've got a big drug addiction here. It's not going properly looked at, Ali. You know. But would you would you separate? Let's just look look at this. You know, as far as the attitude to to drug takers is concerned, drug addicts, if you like. Um, I was actually thinking about this when I was driving about the other day. You know, this you're saying, and and this is goes round to what was going through my mind. You're talking about having a special place for them to go, like a special hospital. Uh, would you have a special hospital for people who are addicted to smoking? Well, it, it, would you have a special <coughs> hospital for those that are, that are dis, uh, addicted to drink? Well, there, are, there are many addictions. Why, yeah, why, why do we label drug addicts so differently? You know, it's not the, the, the thing, Ali, it's that the money they're spending on them is getting nowhere. You know, the money is this tremendous amount of money and they just seem to be shutting the door and then they can't open it again, Ali. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger. 30,000, according to Glasgow, 30,000 drug addicts. I mean, that's terrible, Ali. That's, that's a big, big thing for a, a city. It's, it's, knows it's only got 600,000 people in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In Glasgow, they, we, we've talked about this on the programme before, where they were talking about bringing in these uh, drug injection rooms. And that, that was sort of rejected in Glasgow. But this week, they've been talking about it... Um, setting one up in Perth 
Because, you know, there we, we, it's not just the big cities, and Perth is a, a smaller city, but they have that same problem. They're talking, you know, it's, at least it's being discussed about setting up rooms that people can go safely and inject if that's what, what they do. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think we're really tackling it head on? Or are, or are our politicians absolutely frightened to put their head above the parapet? Ali, it's the same as the geo. They're not, the prison's the same, Ali. They've actually want nobody in the prison, but what do you do with them outside when the drug addicts have been sent to prison? But drug, drug addicts are not prisoners. No, I know that, I'm saying. But the, the same as the prison and all, they don't help them in there when they go there, Ali. They should, as I said, they should have a place where they all could, these people could be looked after properly and try and wean them off the drugs, Ali. Well, they, do, idea. they do have places like that, but they're, they're mostly private and they cost an absolute fortune. And that's, you know... Uh, that's what's wrong. We're just going round in circles. This has been going on for years. Oh, I understand years, that. I understand that, Ali. I understand that very, very well. But it's the amount of money they're throwing down the drain, Ali. Mm-hmm. Not getting to the, the problem. You know, that's what I, I'm, I'm, I'm against. You think that it's, it is money that's just been thrown away then? Yes, Ali. It's money thrown away down the drain and it's not coming back clean. That's what I, I think, Ali. Mm. I just think we don't have politicians that are brave enough to stand up and say, right, well, that's what, that's what I, I disagree with Ali. The, the House of, House of Holyrood is, they don't, they don't open their mouth big enough to do the job. They just open it and then they shut it again and don't, don't hear nothing about it again. To then next minute, oh, there's addicts found dead here, addicts found dead he, there. That's when they come out the, 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 the door again, Ali, open the door again. But they shut it again quick as possible, you know. Mm. Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, and, and you know that we're opening that up, the debate up here. We're talking about um, the scheme, you know, the pause thing in Dundee, but it's it can easily move into talking about drugs in general. And I, and I, and I do wish that our politicians would um, grow up here and start talking about it and start telling the medical people what they need to do because even the medics, um, it's just going round in circles. As I'm saying, Ali, they put the medical nurses and all that, these people that's in the hospitals, under pressure, Ali, when they should be going, look, this is what needs to happen here. Not, not, not to say, Ali, they ask the money, then, then they, they go back and that's it, we've given £45 million, we'll just leave it there. That doesn't, I shouldn't work that way, Ali. They should be up there wanting to know what's happening, how's it progressing, and what's, is that person now weaned off them now? But they don't, Ali, they just, they just that's it, and then they finish for another year, and then they go, oh, we'll give them more money. That's, that doesn't work, Ali. OK, thank you very much indeed, Joseph. It's all about money being flushed down the pan, uh, according to, to Joseph. Uh, John, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How are you, my friend? Good, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, we mentioned... I have... On you Sorry, go. No, no, it's your, it's your I... call. On you go. I have aired my comments on this before. The problem we have got in this country is a greed problem. It's not a drug problem. What should be happening in this country is drugs should be legalised, clinics should be opened, young people should be brought in... Do you want your drugs? Come and we'll give you them with clean needles, with clean stuff. Brought in at a cheap price, taxable. Where the money's coming in, it could do to sort clinics and all the rest of it. The problem that we have got in this country, as you have so rightly mentioned, is our MPs are fear to stick their heat above the board. The only way that we can win the drug war is to legalise it. No other way. It's not going to happen. And this is just another excuse to say, look what we are doing, look what we are trying to do. 
nonsense. The only way to do it is to legalise it. If we, and people always say to me, well, if we legalise it, where's the money going to come from for this? And where's the money going to come from for that? I'll tell you where the money's going to come from. It's going to come from the money we save with lawyers' bills and people getting put in jail for bringing any hooses and trying to get money for drugs when the government can give them it and make money off it and put it back into the system, Ali. That's the only way forward with us. It's a very, you know, I, I, I'm agreeing with most of what you say. You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one to tackle, but nobody seems to be willing to tackle it. Yes, there are forums and there are, they set up committees, etc. But it doesn't doesn't get anywhere, does it? They don't do anything. They're, no, they're, they're not talk, doing they're anything, t- Ali. They're talking shops. Yes, they're not doing anything, Ali. And the reason why, uh, if you spend £25 million increasing our police force to try and stop drugs, it won't happen because for every dealer they take off the street, Somebody else will put three dealers on the street to compensate for it because the money is all about money. Take the money out of it. If a dealer has to pay £40 for a bag of heroin in the street, the government can give them it for £10. Take it after all money. Stop the corruption. Stop the vandals. Stop all this. Put an end to it. And how do you put an end to it? Be taking the money out of it. Okay, John, interesting thoughts again, but we need those in power to to actually grab it and take hold of it and, and look and see what can be done. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, keep your calls coming in regarding that. We're talking there. If you if you missed us, if you've just joined this programme and just wakened up, that's all right. Uh, we're talking about the, the cycle of um, children of drug addicts being put into care. And this was a scheme that uh, they tried in England. Uh, it's been proposed to try it in Dundee on an 18-month uh, trial period. It'll cost around about £300,000 per year. Women in Dundee could be offered the extra support if they agree to go on long-term contraception. Should the drug addicts not be getting support whether they're going on long-term contraception or not? And when I was discussing this the other day with someone and asking uh, for their thoughts, this person said to me, well, the problem is that when a drug addict or someone who has social problems has a child taken away from them, they just have another child. This is what this is meant to stop. But they've got to volunteer to do it. Ali, more sticking plasters on infected wounds, says this text. Instead of tackling the symptoms, mental health problems, problems, addiction, suicide, deal with the underlying causes, undealt with childhood neglect and abuse. This is one step closer to a fascist dictatorship. Shame on these heartless pen pushers. Thank you for your thoughts. It's all about opinions. If you agree or disagree, don't just sit there shouting at the radio. Come on and tell me. O treble three twenty twenty. 401. You can text 61054, start your message with Ali. Uh, you can email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk and, of course, hashtag Scotland's Talking as well. And also this week, we're looking at the horrifying suicide figures. We've been making progress with the figures going down, but last year the total rose by more than 100 to 700 
and 84. We'll talk about that in a moment. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Good morning, Liz. Liz says, I agree with the last person who texts in as Dundee has been named as the drug capital of Scotland. I think serious, though, has to go, serious thoughts have to go into this growing problem as it's not going to go away anytime soon. Well, we've been saying that for years. Laura, good morning. Good morning, Ali. Morning, Laura. Yes. What's, what's your point? Hi. Um, my point is, it's when the last call, and perhaps, oh, well, I maybe missed a call because I put my radio off, but there was two callers in a row, and you seem to be agreeing with them also, that the powers that be talk a good talk, and then when it comes to it, I'm regarding the sort of clean needle centres and the safe place to go. Um, and to take safe, clean drugs. You know, there was talk about setting something like that mm-hmm. up. Yep. Well, my understanding um, is that the Scottish Government, as you know, did look into that, thought it was a great idea, and there was a lot of people behind it. They don't have the power themselves to actually set that up. They had to ask Westminster, and they were told no. That's my understanding. Um, I've got that from the media. Um, if I've got anything wrong, I apologise. But anybody that's maybe under the illusion that um, the Scottish government talked this talk and then didn't um, carry it out, might, if they want to, could look into that because that's my understanding that we don't have the power to set these up ourselves in right. Scotland so and doesn't... have to ask Westminster. Right. Um, I'm just putting that out there, you know, as a... As a fan of um, the present, um, the MSPs in um, Holyrood and a certain leader, um, I'm putting that out there for people that if if they're really interested, they can look into it. And if they find I'm wrong, I apologise. No, no, I I actually, Um, it it rings a bell with me, you're right. There there is something, you know, that said that that we had to get permission from from Westminster. But apart from that, Laura... There must be oh. other things that Scotland, the Scottish government can do instead of, you know, forming talking shops. There must be things that I, they can do. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know because I, I don't know how how much their hands are tied. You're, yes, I would agree, though. You're, you're right, probably. There must be there must be some things. But, but I was only phoning with mm-hmm. regard to, to that idea, which um, I don't have much dealings. I, I don't know much to do with it. Right. I'm just wondering if that if that was the case, why a councillor in Perth this week has been um, calling for a, a sort of look into this happening there. You know, if 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 yeah. that was the case, they would surely know that that's not going to happen. But um, interesting. It's oh yes, to, it's I do, I, yes, I do. I do. I do. I do take that point too. But uh, the subject this morning that you, you, you've brought up, yes, I do feel having more having more children when you you're not can't look after the ones you've got. Yeah, yeah. Um, is 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 very sad. It's very sad for the children. Indeed, but in society, you know, have have children. Of course, when you're 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 well and able to look after them, so it's it's very sad. It's very sad and very unfair on the kids as well that come into this. Oh world. yes, yeah, absolutely. Oh yes, D- definitely. Okay, Laura, thank you very much indeed. Let's go to Karen next. Hello, Karen. Hi there. What's your point this morning then? Well, I'm sorry, but why should self-inflicted drug addicts get all the assistance and get a choice as to whether they go on a contraceptive side for taking in children that obviously go into the care 
side of things. Um, there's people out there like me that have got diseases. I've got multiple sclerosis. I didn't ask for this. So why should... It's the underlying problem that should be attended to before they, they get other, other assistance. Mm-hmm. But I really don't think that they should get a choice as to whether they get a contraceptive or not. Well, what what would you say to them then? Would you say you're getting this contraceptive whether you like it or not? Yes, yes. I wouldn't give them the choice. But yeah. surely every woman has a choice to to do what they want with no. their own body. Well, she she took the choice to take drugs, so why should she get extra help? If do she's not do you have the do you have the well, same do you have the same feelings and attitude towards people who smoke? People who smoke are not... Um, self-inflicted, it they, is. It's self-inflicted. Yeah, it is self-inflicted, yes. You're talking about self-inflicted. You're talking about drug addicts being self-inflicted. Surely a smoker yeah, a no, smoker is a being... A doesn't hurt anybody. When a, a, a drug addict is high, then they go out to hurt. They hurt people. No, they don't. Not all of them. That's, some of them do. Yeah. Well, some and smokers go out and hurt people as well. You don't put it, put it down to smoking. Yeah, it, Ordinary people can go out and hurt people. People who are addicted to drink go, can go and hurt people. So why, why are you not, why are you not attacking them? Like alcoholics, that's all self-inflicted as well. So, yeah. But if you, if you have an addiction, if you have an addiction which is in your system, whether it be to, to drink to alcohol, to drugs. It's an addiction. So Surely everybody why, everybody why is entitled to some help. help. Why does it not help them before it gets to a, a, a very, very, very bad state? I think I'm, people... a, I'm angry at the point that, well, yeah, I've got this, mm-hmm. this disease. I didn't ask for it, but Joe Bloggs has went and uh, shoot a, a needle up whatever, and uh, like he's a drug addict because he wants to be a drug addict. He's a drug addict because he wants to be a drug addict. I'm yeah. Not, really? Well, any type well, of addict, did, any type of addict is it's an addiction. It's an addiction, Karen. It's not something no. you, you want. <laughs> so... Yeah, you could you could go out and addict yourself to drugs then, yeah. Or drink, or smoking, or, or anything else. Eating chocolate. There's an addictions all over the place. No, I don't. I I just don't agree with the question that you put up today. That females should not get a choice if they have had like two or three children taken away from them. That's the poor sods going in. Uh, the care system and being all their lives on 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 due on the state. No, that that's wrong. And the female, like she's she's not able to look after them. So I, I don't agree with that. I you just, you've got sorry. Did you say you had MS? Yeah. Right. Do you get the support that you need, or do you feel that you could be getting more? Oh, no, I get, I get support, but I've had to 
like ask for it, mm-hmm. sometimes fight for it, but I get it. I'm not speaking about the support that I need, that I get. I'm speaking about the question that you raised this morning and my opinion. Not, not anybody else's opinion. No, absolutely. Opinion. That's what it's about, Karen. And uh, thank you very much indeed for coming on and giving it as well. As we always say, it's about opinions. Oh, triple three twenty twenty four oh one is the telephone number. Um, what do you think then? Let's go back to another subject we're talking about. What do you think can be done to bring down Scotland's horrifying suicide figures? As I said earlier, we've been making progress with figures going down, but last year. The total rose by more than 100 to 784. Now, that works out at around two deaths every day from suicide. People who just don't want to be here anymore. And men continue to be three times more likely to take their own lives. And there's been a 50% increase in the number of deaths of young people under the age of 24. 15-year-old Liam McGee from Kilmarnock took his own life 10 months ago. His mum, Jacqueline, has been speaking to our senior reporter, Natasha Reid, for Scotland's Talking. There's not enough help for them. Um, they're just no talking, they're no coming forward to people. Um, it's just absolutely tragic. And through, obviously, your own experience, how much does it affect the whole family? Oh, we're, we're absolutely in bits. As I said, my, my wee girl of nine-year-old is now suffering and she's talking about wanting to end her life and um, again we're not getting the help that we should be getting again it's down to Beautiful Inside Now, the charity and they're going to provide a play therapy for my daughter to see if they can uh, help her out What specifically is it about the help that you think's not working? They're, They're not taking it seriously they're saying like you know with my daughter, it's now it's my fault. It's through my grief that you know they're not going to refer her. That I need to be seen by counsellors and stuff like that myself. But they they didn't provide counselling when my my son died either, um, and that seemed just about to provide it for me. And I don't feel that we've had the help or support. How long has it been since Liam's death? Forty three weeks. And how are things now? It's awful. Um, yesterday I went for my shopping and I came out and it was ten past two, the time that it was pronounced uh, that it had passed away. And I just looked to the same area and that was it. You know, it was like losing them all over again because every Monday is the day you went missing, so you've got that horrible feeling. You've got a Tuesday because it was found and then, you know, there's just it's just awful. I'm just... I miss them so much. What would you say to other families, other young people, old people, anyone who is feeling this way? Please talk. Talk to anybody. I mean, you know, there's always somebody there to listen to you. There's um, loads of charities. There's, like, Samaritans. Please, please get the help. We'll hear more from Natasha Reid. She'll be talking to Corey Wilson, who runs the Samaritans in Ayrshire, in the next hour of the programme. If you'd like to give us your comments, or as I say again, do we have an answer as to what can be done to bring down Scotland's horrifying 
suicide figures. Also in the next hour, I'll be asking you what you think about us having a mayor for the cities in in Scotland, um, like the mayor of Edinburgh, for instance. Uh, we'll be talking to uh, an MSP who feels that it's time to move in that direction. Uh, more about that after the news at the top of the hour. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. So we're asking the question just before the news, what do you think can be done to bring down Scotland's horrifying suicide figures? And also our reporter Natasha Reid has been chatting and trying to find out a wee bit more. She spoke to Corey Wilson, who runs the Samaritans in Ayrshire. I suppose it wasn't a surprise in terms of... You know, we've been acutely aware of what's been reported in Ayrshire over the last year, 18 months, which is one of the reasons why we work hard to try and provide the best service possible. And how do you think suicide is affecting young people in particular? Sadly, um, suicide doesn't affect just one um, particular group. Um, It doesn't really matter, you know, what age, background, etc. But young people can be affected by suicide, particularly if it's someone that they've known. Um, And that's one of the reasons why Ayrshire Samaritans um, give talks to almost all the schools in Ayrshire um, just so that we can let young people know um, that we are here if they need to talk about anything that's troubling them. What do you think needs to happen to try and get these figures back down and to try and stop this increase? We need to um, raise awareness about the support and the help that's out there, not not just the Samaritans, but other organisations too, locally and nationally. We need to address the stigma of mental health and make sure people feel comfortable about saying that you're not OK um, and make sure that people know where they can go to get that help when they need it. There's been some suggestion as well that, that more needs to be done you know, before people are hitting crisis point, before they, they, they need to even get to the stage to asking for help. What, what are your thoughts on that? I suppose um, awareness of our own network and you know in terms of friends and family you know asking that question are you okay people that you know you're surrounded could be workmates or whatever but Samaritans doesn't just deal with people who have suicidal thoughts we're there 24 7 for anyone to talk about what's bothering them Um, and with that early intervention before you reach that crisis point people are often able to find the solutions to what's been troubling them. In 2018, more than 20,000 people volunteered their time for the Samaritans um, and they spent over one million hours responding to calls for help. What would say is talk to us um, about whatever's bothering you because it can make a difference. We're there 24-7 to just talk about anything that's bothering people. Natasha Reid for Scotland's Talking, talking there to Corrie Wilson, who runs the Samaritans in Ayrshire. And this is on the back of the story that suicide, uh, people committing suicide figures, they've gone up. Last year, the total rose by more than 100 to 784, which works out at around two deaths every day. And men continue to be three times more likely to take their own lives. Um, there's been a 50% increase in the number of deaths of young people under 24 who are deciding, that's it, I'm I'm out of here. O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. if you have an experience you would like to share with us or indeed you, you, you think, you know, maybe the reason why they're going down this route. Let's go to Stephen first. Hello, Stephen. 
Good morning, Ali. How are you today? I'm all right, thank you. I'm good. Good, good. Your thoughts very... on this? Well, condolences, condolences to all families that's lost a loved, a loved one through suicide. But I think the drink, the drugs and the suicide, some of them actually go hand in hand. Mm. Because a lot of folk have been dealt the wrong card. So they take drugs or drink just to get through their daily life, Sally. And you get to a certain point and you say, well, I've actually had enough of this life. It's time to go to go and... Some you go to the Netherlands or Belgium and these kind of places where you can just say enough's enough, sit with some folk, then you go away. But over in this country in Britain, it seems to be a stigma or it's treated as a crime. But generally, I've lost two or three friends. A couple of early, they were young. Even one sat with his mother, his, his two brothers and his sister and his father. And they sat there and they all had a lunch. Oh, they all got dinner and all that and a wee laugh. He says he was going out for a wee walk. He hung himself, Ali. He was happy. He had enough. I had another two friends. He did the exact same thing. One was in his 70s and one was in his 80s. They had enough, Ali. He says, look, Steve, they're away. I says, but I even says to them, one of them, I says, what are you going to do? And I thought he was joking, Ali. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to get me up the road, Steve. I've got a loft up there, blah, blah, blah. Gone. And the last one, I was actually sitting with my late father and, my, and his friends in a public park. A guy came along with a ladder, Ali, and a friend that was a slayer. He'd be thought in with his dog. It's a Sunday morning. He did the same thing. Folk actually have had enough the life. How far can we go in here? But people say, oh, suicide, it's up 700, it's up maybe two a week or two a day. I'm surprised it's no more, Ali, because this life... I generally believe this is the hell we live in, Alan. And you've just got to make what you can here. And I don't think there's, there's many listeners here to, today can honestly say, they've no thought of saying, look, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you can build hospitals for drug addicts, take the children off, legalise drugs. That's not the problem, Alan. Well, it's life. And if you go way back in time... Everything was manual. Everybody was working. I really think everybody was happy way back then. Do you know, we're going to modernisation. It's all machines. It's all robots. It's all t- technology. Folk with jobs. There's too much pressure now in life than any. The pressure now is greater than it ever was before. The folk are saying, no, this is all for me. And there is generally people, Ali, as we speak, will say, no, he's that big for his right. We've had enough. As long as you, you manage to live for folks, oh, we should be living longer. Why do we want to live longer? For what? No, Ali, I would gen- I could, And I could never see myself, Ali, in 10 years saying, well, I've had enough. And I you- could, I could, you didn't say no, Ali, I could, generally. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and it's you, you then that's taking the decision as to when you decide that is the time. Yeah, and why? And, and you start to get, see if I was to get dementia tomorrow. Why should I get into an old folks' home and get these poor carers to wash me, scrub me, and my family seeing me there deteriorating? And I can do nothing but all these pharmaceutical companies, billions of pounds, they're making money out of people like me. I'll be the first one, Ali, who will that Erskine Bridge. That's a fact, Ali. I'm gone. OK, Stephen. Thank you very much indeed. There you are. Stephen's thoughts on the whole situation with personal experience as well. Uh, 033 is the number if you'd like to comment. 
Um, a few coming through on social media now. Um, oh dear, this is a tricky one, uh, says this one. How on earth would you police this? And this is going back to uh, where we started, really, on our first subject, and that was um, about the uh, situation that's a possibility of coming into Dundee, um, where this pause is called. Uh, women in Dundee could be offered extra support if they agree to go on long-term contraception. This is the plan to stop the cycle of children of drug addicts being put into care. And then we went into talking about drug addicts as well. We're getting all types of comments coming now, so let me go back to this one. Uh, there would have to be something in it for the addict. Do they get this contraceptive when they pick up their prescription? Do they even know who the father of the child is? What's that got to do with it? Uh, do they even know they're pregnant? Okay, that's uh, one comment. Thank you for that. Uh, another one here. I'd just like to say, um, let me read this one first. Um, good to hear you challenging the heartless attitude of your last caller. Uh, this is what people with mental health and related disorders are up against. Okay, thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, here's one that I'm, I'm trying to rack my brains, but it, it's not working. It, it must be something you know to do with my age. Can't recall this, but I'm reading it anyway because there's no name attached to it and I don't want you thinking, if you have sent this text, that I'm just ignoring you because that's not what I do. Um, I read all the texts and, and try and read them out, providing they make sense. So this says, all in capitals, like shouting at me, Ali Bali, <laughs> that's me. I just want to say that I've always held you in high regard, but I don't appreciate you telling me that I was talking nonsense last week. I wasn't here last week. Okay, so maybe it was the week before, I don't know. Uh, anyway, regarding the young of the day, overusing phones and phone games, etc., especially as several callers later express the same view, in particular as it has now been proved that this can lead to addiction and affect mental health. This programme is meant to be about people's opinions. And you will soon lose listeners if you're going to demean a caller's view just because you don't happen to agree with it or what is an actual fact. I think you owe me an apology. Well, um, I'm here and I've got an opinion as well and I don't see what's wrong with me giving that opinion. And if it's the complete opposite of yours, then I'll argue. Um, one of the other reasons I'm here is to stimulate debate. You know, and, and to get you thinking and to get you phoning in and things. But if you think I owe you an apology for something I don't remember, then OK, uh, I apologise if if I upset you and it's been bothering you for two weeks as I wasn't here last week. It must have been niggling away at you to send me that text. Um, what do you think about starting off in Edinburgh and Edinburgh having its own elected Lord Mayor? We'll be talking about that in a moment. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Now, there's a call for Edinburgh to become the first Scottish city to get its own directly elected mayor. Labour MSP Daniel Johnson suggesting the capital has a specially chosen leader, similar to those in London and Manchester. He says creating the role would make sure big projects are done properly and would raise the capital's standing in the world. And he joins us now. Daniel, good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good, good. So the idea behind this then is, as I said, just the same as they have in uh, other big cities, London, Manchester. But Edinburgh, do you think we're in the mood for yet having yet another elected person? The issue 
issue that I'm seeking to address is that increasingly over the, over the last few months and years, people have been coming to me saying, you know, they don't know who Edinburgh is for anymore. They're seeing kind of the rise of Airbnbs, housing costs are getting more and more expensive. And I, and I think what we need is to make sure that we have local government that really addresses the, the long-term future of Edinburgh, but most importantly, can also... Uh, speak up for Edinburgh, because again, in Holyrood, time and time again, we hear politicians from other parts of Scotland saying, well, you know, that's Edinburgh's problem, uh, but I'm not sure we need to do anything about it. I don't think that's good enough. I think we need to talk about what Edinburgh needs and how we can best run our city. The mayors in London and Manchester, just taking them as an example, um, from your point of view, have they worked? I think they have. And it's not just London and Manchester. You, you see cities all across the world. You know, most cities in, in France, you know, cities like New York have. I think the thing that a mayor brings is a, a, a clarity of vision, but also accountability. So the mayor has to deliver certain things. And if they don't, they get slung out. And I think that, that clarity is very helpful for a city, especially when you know, people increasingly tell us that cities are so important to the, the modern economy because if we have a knowledge-based economy, therefore people coming together, working together is critically important. So having that clarity and that vision, I think it's useful and I think it does work. So this person, um, a figurehead, but would he or she be a figurehead with power? How does it work? Look, there's a number of different ways that this could work. But I mean, largely, you know, what we would be looking to do is uh, using the existing structures, but what we'd be talking about is really sort of bringing together the roles of the leader of the council and, critically, the chief executive. So they would be in charge of the executive, the the delivery uh, uh, in the the council, and then the council, the other elected members, would hold them to account. That's typically what happens in a mayoral situation like that. What would you think would be best for Edinburgh as far as um, how we got to getting that person? How would we elect it? Would this person be elected from within the council chambers or would it be the people of Edinburgh getting a vote on it? I mean, I think what would be important in a situation like this is that it's directly elected so that that mayor would have a direct mandate from the people to deliver on, on their commitments. But I think what we've seen uh, in councils in Scotland since we've had proportional representation, which was the right thing to do, is a a little bit of a lack of clarity. And what that has done is I think that has meant that officials have been maybe not held to account in quite the same way as they might have done before. But by having, I think, that direct election, I think it provides that clarity. And I think, importantly, provides greater scrutiny on delivery for the city. I must admit, I think it's not a bad idea because I, I think since those times that you're talking about, not through any deliberate move, but a lot of uh, cities and, and towns throughout Scotland have lost that Lord Provost type figure who was seen as a, a leader of the area. And, and, I, and, and you're right, Edinburgh is the capital of Scotland and surely there should be someone that we could look to. Well, that's certainly my feeling. And I think even if you don't like this particular uh, idea, I think the key point is this, is that our councils are hugely important for shaping our local communities, making sure that the right investment goes to the right places. And I think it is time for a discussion of, well, what powers do we want to have in local government? Because I think if you look back on 20 years of devolution, 
We've had a lot of powers come to Holyrood, but has it been handing those powers on? And I think that's the critical question we need to be asking ourselves at this point in time. Well, an interesting one for our listeners this Sunday morning, uh, Daniel. So let's open the phone lines. O Treble 3 2020 401. Do you think it's a good idea? Uh, particularly if you're in the capital, would it help um, um, give it some identity? As uh, Daniel says, maybe some people thinking it has lost the identity there. Give us a call. Let us know your thoughts. Labour MSP Daniel Johnson, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you. And I'd just like to point out that uh, that's little chat there with Daniel was recorded earlier on this week as he wasn't going to be available this morning and it was recorded uh, before his niece Rosie had been reported as being missing uh, in the Isle of Wight and uh, since then um, a, a body has been found and the family have been informed and our, our, our best wishes are with them and our condolences and indeed all our thoughts uh, are with them. But uh, Daniel, thank you for agreeing to allow me to continue with that um, chat this morning. Uh, so that number again, 033 He was talking there about mayors in, in the city, but particularly kicking it off with one in Edinburgh. Because there is this thing, you know, that w- since... Um, devolution since various things have happened um i i think everybody at one point would know who the lord provost of each city was i don't think that's the case now cities and towns don't know the name because that lord provost position it's still there in many places i'm not taking that away and it's not the fault of the people that are in them but I, i just think they don't get enough publicity uh, these days because there are usually the uh, the leaders of the council who take that type of um, position as well. So it's, it's just a thought. What do you think? Is is the mayor the way to go for a city like Edinburgh? Because we've already got um, down in England these mayors and they take, it's not just a figurehead, they are taking responsibility. And as Daniel said there, if they don't come up to the job, they get kicked out by the voters. Okay, we'll be back with some more calls after these. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Stuart's been in touch regarding the Lord Mayor conversation that we're having. And he says, uh, Ali, I live in Edinburgh. I have no idea who is the figurehead. I live in Edinburgh, work in Fife. And as as I'm going into Fife every day, I do know that the Lord Provost of Fife is Jim Leishman. He's all over the place, here, there, everywhere, turning up. He's always in the news and doing his best for Fife. Yes, we should have someone of the same personality for Edinburgh. Don't know if there's two Jim Leishmans going around. <laughs> Morning, Jim. All right, 60 minutes away from 12. Philip, hello. How do you, Ali? I'm fine, thank, thank you. you. What do you want to comment on varying uh, subjects today? Well, well, the subject of uh, suicide is particularly poignant to me because um, I wouldn't be here speaking to you now if it wasn't for a book. Okay. Um, I had a very difficult early life. I lost my own father through suicide and I had... Um, um, bullying problems through my form years at school and work one thing or another. In fact, I can honestly say my early life, some of my best friends were the Samaritans. So a difficult, very difficult childhood for you then? It was. 
uh, and uh, early adulthood too. Right, okay. Uh, during the course of one of these face-to-face sessions with the Samaritans, one of the, the counsellors said, he said, I've got a book that I could recommend to you. Um, maybe you could read it and see how it goes. So it's called um, What Life Could Mean to You by Alfred Adler. Have you heard of him? No. Alfred Adler was one of the three great psychologists of the, the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two were Sigmund Freud and Carl Gustav Jung. So obviously this man was a, obviously a great eminence. And I got this book and I read it and I can honestly say it turned my life around. So anybody that's got suicidal thoughts, I would hardly re- would recommend that they read this book. Right. What did it actually, you know, what was in that book? Can you, is there one part that you can identify that that's made yes, you look it, a bit more it, positive? Well, I've got the book in front of me now. I can read you some of the headings of the chapters. Um, the meaning of life, mind and body, feelings of inferiority and superiority, early memories, family influences, school influences, adolescence, right. the problem of work. Love and marriage, the individual in society. Right, so covering all aspects there then, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Okay, give me the, the title of the book again for anybody who's listening and didn't catch it the first time. What Life Could Mean to You by Alfred Adler. And he spells his surname A-D-L-E-R. Yeah. Right. It's a, yeah, it's a treatise on psychology of personal development. And that's what you put down to being the person that you are today. I wouldn't be. I'm in my early sixties now, Ali, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be speaking to you now if it wasn't for that book. Philip, thank you very much indeed for coming on and sharing your experience there. Um, here's one that comes in, and it says, "I've had." Sorry, it's just disappeared from my screen. Got it now. Uh, I've had mental health problems for over twenty years. I tried to take my life three times. Uh, I was in hospital 20 years ago, got uh, a lot of help. Sadly now, there is not a lot of help around. It's not easy to live with mental health when you can't see any way out. It's very hard. Thank you very much indeed for for you uh, getting in touch there. That was from Elaine. Um, Ali, there's a project in Lanarkshire called Chris's House set up by a mum, Anne Rowan, who lost her son due to suicide aged 36 and wants to prevent that loss happening to others. She provides a centre providing help, response and intervention surrounding suicide, providing 24-hour integrated help and intervention. Um, and the, you can email info at chrishouse.org. Um, I'm sure that uh, they'd be more than happy about the publicity. And maybe we can actually get to talk to them sometime. George says, I think everyone is missing the main point here. Smoking and drinking is not illegal, but drugs are. Uh, thanks, George, for that. Uh, here's one from Linda. She says, addicts should be tested for their methadone. Basically, the methadone is just a top-up to the stuff they already take. If they get methadone, they should be blood tested to see if they're coming off drugs and not getting it at the drop of a hat. Linda, um, I don't know where you're getting your facts, but you're wrong. Uh, they are tested and uh, they can be their methadone can be stopped if they do find uh, on their weekly or monthly tests that uh, a drug addict has been taking something else. So, you know, 
I understand what you're saying. That's, but the facts are not right there. Uh, Ali, yes, smoking. This comes from Liz. Alcohol and drugs, among other addictions, it's a problem. But I think the drug addiction is the one that seems to be the one being addressed more than others because more and more people, including school-aged pupils, are dying of the so-called super drug. That's why it needs to be taken seriously. I agree with that. Uh, Mary Campbell says, uh, what are the Lord Provost for in all the councils? Do we really need mayors? Sonia says, uh, I live in Edinburgh. Bring it on. Let's have a mayor. We live in a fantastic capital city and we sh- should be shouting about it. And a Lord Mayor would be a great title for Edinburgh to have. So there we go. That's uh, all the comments I've got. Wind them up there. Uh, we've been talking today uh, quite varying subjects and uh, lots of different calls have been uh, a wee bit heavy at times, but we got there eventually talking about pause, which is the idea uh, to stop the cycle of children of drug addicts being put into care. Um, women in Dundee, this is an experiment that's been tried in England, but it's uh, it's possibility of being tried out in Scotland and Dundee. Uh, women being offered extra support if they agree to go on long-term contraception. Uh, also been talking about the suicide rate in Scotland, which is increasing again with around two people taking their own lives every day. And also been talking about um, the possibility of uh, a mayor uh, position for the city's, or for Scotland's capital, MSP Daniel Johnson says, it's about time we started talking about it. London's had Ken Livingston, Boris Johnson and Sadiq Khan. So should Scotland's capital also have an elected mayor? If you've missed any of that, then the podcast will be up for you to have a listen to uh, later on this afternoon. Uh, just go onto the station website or indeed wherever you get your, your podcasts and uh, have a listen and you'll hear anything that you've missed there. Just before I go, because on, on this part of the programme anyway, um, just before we come to the end of the, the talking, and I've got a minute to spare. Um, uh, lighten it ever so slightly by saying thank you very much indeed to some of the members who came along to Dunlop Bowling Club in Ayrshire uh, last night. Uh, they're running a secret chef competition. And I was invited to take part several weeks ago. I didn't realise the amount of work that was going to be involved after admit, But I had to come up with a menu, a starter and a main course. And then secretly arrive at the bowling club yesterday afternoon, get the kitchen all set up and start preparing my meal. Um, the menu was put up on the board uh, several weeks ago and people put their names down for it. We ended up with, uh, I think it was 29 uh, customers turned up for dinner. So hopefully you enjoyed um, what was put in front of you, what I cooked for you. Uh, they, at the end of the meal, um, they, they're given a bit of paper and they mark the food out of 10 and those marks are now in sealed envelopes until all the contestants because it's run over sort of six weeks um, are, are, are they've had their go so I've no idea what points I scored but uh, at the end of it I was introduced to those who had eaten the plates I kept watching the plates coming back and they were they were reasonably empty so I think they enjoyed what went on but as far as winning it is concerned because there's a trophy at the end don't have any trophies in my house. <laughs> so um, so uh, that's at the beginning of October uh, it will be announced. But thank you very much indeed to um, everybody who turned up at bowling. Uh, the Dunlop Bowling Club last night. Hopefully the food didn't cause any problems this morning. Scotland's Talking, the podcast.